Hello everybody, welcome to podcast 92 from Football Aranya, your home of Dutch football in the English language. I'm Michael Statham, I'm joined by Football Aranya editor and founder Mike Bell to talk everything Dutch football. So if you've got any questions and you're watching live on YouTube, then pop them in and, and we'll get them answered on the show. But of course, this isn't only going out on YouTube, it is available too on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, so wherever you want to listen to this podcast, do so. Um, give us a like wherever you're listening. And get involved wherever you're listening to. Um, particularly on YouTube, there's a growing community of people that want to comment along live uh, to the show. So, yeah, let us know your thoughts on what we talk about. So much to come up in this show. We're going to be talking about the coefficient, Ajax. We've got Ten Hag as well to talk about. Feyenoord and PSV starts the season, making it a strong top three. And much else besides with the Eredivisie. What Van Gaal has got to sort out for the Netherlands for next year. And a couple of other things too. So, yeah, Mike... Um, how are you? I think that King gets you in his comment here saying everyone's walking the coefficient polonaise. What um what a few months it's been for Dutch fo- Dutch football teams in Europe. Yeah, I think it's been it's been excellent. And as I said on the last YouTube I say podcast that we did or the last YouTube stream <laughs> it's was, all sort of podcasts at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it just seems to be a great time for Dutch football at the moment with the, the national team reaching the World Cup. And then just, yeah, it just seems that Dutch clubs in Europe are just having a great season at the moment. I know that two could still go out um, come the, the next round of fixtures in two weeks, but I just think the, the coefficients has gone crazy this year. And I didn't expect Ajax to, mm-hmm. to absolutely breeze that group and I didn't expect um Bates to still be in the running with one game to go. I didn't expect you know Feyenoord to have such a not an easy time with their group, but just to be you know top of that group and, and sail it so easily is is a surprise. But I think we're so used to seeing Dutch clubs fail in Europe that whenever there's this much success outside of Ajax it's it's strange. But yeah. If they can keep it going, then there's no reason why you know, the Netherlands can't target, you know, Portugal and France to try and overtake them in the, the coefficient, which would just be absolutely crazy. Just to add a bit of context, people that aren't too aware about this coefficient, it's uh, how well teams perform in, in European competition. And the Netherlands for a long time were drifting between like 10th and 15th, um, potentially losing out European places and... Um, Teams having to go through extra qualifying rounds in the summer to get through to the group stages of European competition. And now this season has been totally different, uh, really unexpected. The fact that all five teams are in Europe are competing, finishing top of their groups in Europe. The UEFA Conference League has, has, been, has been great for Dutch teams. It means that they can succeed on a European stage. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny talking about how well Dutch teams are doing on a European stage after the terrible weekend of fixtures that we had in the Eredivisie, where there were tons of games with, with one goal or no goals. Um, I can't believe I watched four or five of them games this weekend. I thought I'd treat myself and then it was a bit of a waste of time. Um, but one, one team that has been standing out in particular is Ajax. So we will talk about other teams in this podcast, but Ajax, five wins from five in the Champions League. Eric Ten Hag is getting so much right. I think when he first came in, we gave him a little bit of stick. But as soon as you gave him a little bit of time, it was quick to see that he was going to turn around um, Ajax. that had some tough times under Marcel Kaiser, for example. Uh, and, and, and he's just become this mastermind here and, and, a, and a manager that a lot of European top teams want. Someone who I think I wouldn't be surprised to see him at Manchester United next summer. The whole interim coach looks a little bit fishy. Ten Hag said he hasn't talking talked to Man United, but I mean, surely managers lie in football too. And he's just hotting up to leave in the summer and go to Man United. I mean, that's just my point of view. But either way, I do see him um, going in the summer, in my in my view, and he'll go to a top 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 team. Could be Bayern Munich as well. Yeah, I think that we're coming to the the last months of. Ten Hag in charge of Ajax. I think that this summer is going to be a time that he does go. Whoever that is to Man United, we'll see. Um, you know, all their arrows seem pointed at Pochettino as well. So we'll see if Pochettino goes there, and then you never know. PSG might go for for Ten Hag. I think that 
Mm. Most top clubs in, in Europe, if you're looking for a manager at, at the moment, then Tim Hagwood de- name would definitely be up there with with it. But if that job doesn't appear in the, the summer, then you know, he might stay at Ajax, but I would expect him to go. And I do think Manchester United is, is quite a likely position for him. And I think it's a good... I'd, it's a good next step, but whether it's the right club at the right time, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's a difficult club to manage. I think you've seen a lot of managers go there and struggle. You know, Van Hal being one of them. Um, uh, it's just a difficult place to go with the expectations of where the club was under Sir Alex Ferguson and where it is now. I think any coach is going to have a tough time going there and, and getting what the fans want because Manchester United at the moment are quite far away from... Manchester City in Liverpool. Then you have the likes of Chelsea. And, you know, from a from a personal preference, you know, not at the moment, but, you know, you've got a team like Newcastle who do have all the money in the world who will eventually, not maybe yet, but eventually, um, hope to be up there as well. So uh, there's a lot of turmoil behind the scenes at Manchester United as well. I think a lot of fans are unhappy at the, the owners as well. So it'll be a difficult club to go into for him especially when he's got such a calm position at the moment in Ajax um, yeah. so I think his next job is is definitely crucial because if he goes to somewhere where he's he has a very difficult time then where can he go from there whereas I think that Ten Hag would ideally want his next position to be Bayern Munich I think that's the job that he would I agree like jump through hoops for, but whether that's going to be available in the summer, I doubt. So we'll see what what happens. But I do think that Ten Hag will go in the summer for another club. We'll need to wait and see which one it is. He strikes me as a kind of person who likes um, calm and longevity. And being at Ajax this long must have been in his thoughts to to think I can take this team to make them dominant in the area of Z and really push boundaries in Europe and he's gone and done that. Um, I was lucky enough to be invited to BBC Sport to talk about Ten Hag and Ajax. So definitely go and check that out on BBC Sport. Um, just type in BBC Sport Ten Hag. And the questions that I was asked by the, the interviewer then were, what, what, what exactly does he bring to, to Ajax that the other you know, coaches haven't and in the past? It's just, it's just another level of coach that Ajax hasn't had for a long time. They like to put faith in all their, their sort of youth coaches and former players. But Ten Hag's just something a bit different. And how he's revolutionised that club from being a very good Dutch team, obviously, but into possibly a contender for the Champions League. I think we can we can say that. I, I laughed when I first heard the suggestion by some um, old Dutch footballers when they're given their view. But then you, you think about it some more and you look at the other teams in the Champions League, you think, actually, no, Ajax can compete. Why not? Because they've, they've beaten Dortmund home and away, who are, um, by all accounts, a very good team in the Bundesliga. And there's, there's only very few teams that are better than Ajax. And when you're in a knockout format, you, know, you just never know what can happen. It's like a cup competition, isn't it? So what what's to say that they can't really go really far in it? Um, and, and Sebastian Allaire, in the form of his life. And so many Ajax fans doubted him. Um, and, and he's, he brings so much to the attack. He's, he's the hold-up player that they've been crying out for for years. Yeah, I think that you can't see Ajax aren't contenders for Champions League if they, for me, keep their best players fit because you know, the two games that have been probably the weakest so far in the Champions League is the two games that you expected them to win the, the easiest, which was two games against Besiktas and the second one was when Ten Hag decided to make some changes to his, his first 11 and you saw that maybe the squad depth isn't there as, as you'd expect and you know if Tarich got injured or, or Haller got injured then the team might struggle and especially with, also about somebody like Edson Alvarez who came under so much criticism for his first year in Amsterdam but now seems to be a, a player that it's so crucial to the side and when he's not there he's it's definitely noticeable in the struggle. So I think January will be a big one for the, the club. I think that getting a backup to Howard is, is essential. And then you know if they do with somebody like David Neres or, or Tiger Fico getting a replacement for them as well, 
I know Stephen Bergvine from from Tottenham is getting rumoured with a, a loan move. So I think if they signed Brian Broby back, um, is is what's been widely reported, and also getting Bergvine, then that's two options for them that would strengthen them going forward. Because I think that if they don't have power in some of those games, then who is going to back them up? Because we saw Danilo this weekend prove that he really probably isn't the answer. I know he set up targets for the goal, but I think if you're looking at Champions League success, then you can't really get that with mm. just Haller as the, the only option up front. Yeah, you're right. And that, that, I was thinking, let's be kind to Danilo, but you're, you're, you're right. If Haller's out, Danilo's a main striker. I don't think that's viable for Ajax. They want more, and I mentioned it just then, but they want to push boundaries in Europe and they will want to go and strengthen with a couple of players in January to make themselves even better. Um, what, what do you think of the opinion that they're better than now than they are, sorry, than they were in the 18-19 season when they got to the semi-final of Champions League? I'm of the opinion that they are better this season, not by a lot. Obviously, they were without De Jong and De Ligt, but overall, all over the pitch, they've just got a bit more. It's difficult because it's hard to compare these teams. I mean, that 18-19 side should have got to the final and then who knows what happened in the final and we wouldn't know. Um, you know, it's because they brought a Mago and it didn't probably not there. So, yeah, it's difficult to, to compare them. But as a, a unit and as a squad, they are strong this year. But again, it's the, it's the first 11 that's strong. Um, and there is a couple of options on the bench. But when you start taking out key players, there isn't a replacement for them. And I think that that's the issue with this side. I think that on the pitch, you've got Timber, who's it's an excellent talent and goes up against Delict. And then in midfield, is the midfield stronger than the one that had Frankie De Jong in it? Mm, I'd probably argue that it isn't. I see the midfield back then was stronger and in the fifth against more. I think Ryan Gravenberg was still not seeing the best of him. Mm. And... But Alex went to the top, right? Up top, yeah, you know, you had back then it was the the Dusan Tadic variant years. But I think that up front they are stronger now. I think Anthony has really come into it. Yeah. And he looks like a, a class player who's I actually gonna to struggle to keep hold of him in the summer. I think I think there's gonna be big clubs going for him in the summer now because he's a Brazil international now. He's probably gonna to go to a World Cup mm. and he's put he's in the form of his life and I think that I also struggle to keep him in the summer, but I think that up top they're stronger than they were in 1819. I'd say the midfield was better back then. In goal, they were better back then. I think Onana was in a great form then, and sure. right now they have pass fear. Onana's going to go. So I think it's hard to judge. I'd, I'd say it's a draw between if you went goalkeeper, defence, midfield, attack. I'd say it's probably 2 2 between the sides. It'd moment. be great to see those two teams play against each other in some sort of alternate universe, but mm. we never know. Um, I, I like your point about Anthony, but with the World Cup coming up, I'd say that maybe he'll stay an, until January or the summer after because he'll want that regular playing time ahead of the World Cup. You might see that with a few Dutch internationals too, if they're in the area of they may stay a little longer. And interesting to see Stephen Burkhouse coming into his own, playing as an attacking midfielder now. Uh, another good option um, for Louis van Gaal and the Netherlands, if he can continue to play there um, in, in March, and he's still doing well, I think he should be given the chance there. Um, but la- last thing about Ajax, anyway, I, I, before we move on to another team, they've struggled to score goals on occasion in the Eredivisie, and that's why they haven't cut themselves a, um, away from the PSV and Feyenoords in the league yet. They've been tying at the top for the last few weeks because they've been dropping points. And that's nothing to do with their defence. They've conceded only two goals in 14 games, which is ridiculous. But in attack, apart from a bloated 9-0 win against Cumber, because Cumber just attack, attack, attacked, and they tried to play against Ajax, they can't handle a low block. And that's just going to keep coming at them this season. They're probably going to keep dropping points against teams that are just going to sit back. Yeah, and that's why... Options are what they need to do in January because they need that. Because we saw it last year how much of an impact Bobby made when he came on as a sub against teams. That's what they need. They need that that player that can come off the bench and have an impact in games that are struggling to to win. 
and I think that it's something that Ten Hag needs to work on and it's something that they need to work on in January because that could cost them. I know PSV and Feyenoord are going to drop points yeah. as well and we've seen that this weekend but mm-hmm. you know, these the teams that I actually drop in points against are the teams that they, they should be winning comfortably against but they seem to just have Ednam this season to, to come away with no-no draws, 1-1 draws because they don't kill games off and I think it does come down to what they have on the bench and sometimes the substitutions aren't, aren't the best and I think that will change after January but right now I still have them as huge favourites for the title um, mainly because PSV seem to have injuries and I don't think Feyenoord are strong enough to go all the way but yeah it's something that could bite them at times and the rest of the season until they get a way to to play against a whole block it's something that they're not going to come up against the Champions League I don't think so that, that shouldn't affect them there mm. but yeah they're the busy they seem to just have that knack for just dropping points in games that you expect them to to really win when comfortably, especially away from home, but I guess today was the day that you, you could have seen them draw now, now, but they, they got a one nil win, and that's what they need to do in these games. So this weekend, it it didn't cost them, and it cost PSV and and Feyenoord, whereas two weeks ago it was costing them. So I think it's just the the case where they're busy. There's sometimes where some weekends where you'll you'll come up against a a Heron Vane away or a, a Heracles away, and they'll get a point against you and that's just how it goes in their division. It's, it's good for the league that there is these teams that can take points off you know, the top three because if that wasn't the case then it would be a three-team league where they're just battering everyone and what's the point in the rest of the teams? But yeah, in terms of Ajax, I think it's not going to cost them the title this year because I think they are just a, a step ahead of PSV which I didn't think they were at the start of the season. I thought Ajax would come second to PSV. But now I just think that Ajax are, are far too strong and I think they're going to end up walking the league, um, especially after January if they do make signings. I think it's going to be a one-horse race after and they'll eventually pull away from the, the rest of the, the group. That's what I think too. I did post a couple of times on Twitter lately about Feyenoord and how impressed I am with Arna Slut. They they look genuinely convincing. I have to say I didn't see them against Twente, a nil-nil draw. But uh, they were clawing out results um, and, and, and wins they deserve too. Not as if they you know, deserve to lose and, and manage to claim a win, actually. They've been putting some good performances. Um, always better into calc when the fans are there. At the moment, they don't quite have that. But they, they've been brilliant in Europe. And they, they, to me, look like a team that will be cup fighters this season and will be going deep into Europe. And eventually, the league becomes less of a concern for them once they're assured of a top three place um, or, or if they're going for second, perhaps an Ajax pull away. They, they've got some some good players in there this season and, and what a, a revolution Hust Hill has been through to, to come back to some of this old form that he had at RZ, but even more so. He's, he's just a constant goal threat. Yeah, I think Till's one that you can pick out is, is having an excellent season. I think that the fact that they have Caught you now playing at a level that was expected of him. He's yeah, much strings in midfield, and their signings in the summer have, have worked out. I think Trauner and I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Arsnes. Yeah, Arsnes. The the midfielder. I think he's been very impressive when he's played as well. I think the criticism I'd make of their performance today is that maybe Slot not making any changes from the the side that drew. In, in Prague at the, on Thursday was a mistake. I think he could have maybe added some fresh legs from the start. Um, you know, Brian Winston was, was injured in that game. I don't know why, you know, Dessers and the goal from it, he is maybe give him a start today, but it didn't happen. And he went for the same 11 and they, they drew now now. But I think that Feyenoord are a lot better than I expected them to be. I think that, again, the signings they made in the summer have, have worked out perfectly. And Arnold seems to be getting the best out of the players that he has at his disposal, which hasn't been the case, especially last season under Dick Advocate, where they're a bit of a, a shambles at times. But I think this year they're looking good and I think they can challenge PSV for, for second spot. Um, yeah, they, they've um, put in some good performances in the league. I think you are right in that, that, that Ajax will pull away. They can 
battle pierce for second. You've got final against Ajax coming before Christmas, which could be massive. I'm sure that the final players will take it very, very seriously and they'll give Ajax a very good game. Um, all the better if fans can be there. I think it's the day after they're allowed back into the stadiums, uh, which is quite quite clever. Yeah, but I mean, it's all up in the air now, isn't it? So, I mean, especially with a fight that went to Netherlands and this Omicron now. So we'll, we'll see. But I mean, it'd be perfect if they can get fans back in the stadium and that'll be, fingers crossed, that's what happens because that'll mean that this new variant isn't as, as dangerous as they're all saying over the, the weekend. So if this all goes perfectly, then 18 fans back in the, the stadiums for such a huge game would be would be perfect. And that's what you want to see. You want to see these big clashes between title contenders played in, in full stadiums. And that's what, that's what we want. Yeah, I think it's really impacted the quality of, of the games this weekend. I know that they went a whole of a season almost without fans um, last season. But that that impact of the fans just going all of a sudden, I think it's impacted the quality. It's it's really sad. Back to Feyenoord and, and Arna Slot. What, what exactly has he done, do you think, to have taken basically the same squad that was there with Dick Avocat and and making them play so well and just more exciting to watch. <laughs> I think he's got his formation right and I think he's, you know, Brian Linson was a player that for for a long time was very critical of and mm. he's again, Slot just seems to come in and he's getting the best out of the players that the Advocate couldn't. You know, the Brian Linsons, the coaches, the midfield. Malasia is doing great. Um, no, he wasn't there in the past two games, but but Bailo and goal is is excellent, and Sinister on the left is always a constant threat. But I would say that the squad isn't really the same as what it was last year because they've improved it with I think Pedersen's an improvement. I think Trauner in the centre for a partner for yeah. is as a big upgrade on on Botahin. and yeah and. Midfield Arnest is, is, is doing well, and then they've got Dessers as the option off the bench, who's come up trumps constantly this season as a super sub and getting weight winners and, and weight goals. And and then, as I said, Gus Till in the field, he's banging in the goals as well. So I think that Slot's come in, he's got the best out of the players that were there last season, and he's got the new ones that have come in and hit a ground running. And I think the one that they still need to try and do something with his, his Reese Nelson. He seems to be a bit, yeah. a bit lost and we don't seem to be seeing much of him. He came in with a bit of excitement. I know he wasn't the the one they wanted. They wanted one from was it my United who got injured just before he, he joined, but mm-hmm. you know, he brought in Reese Nelson, what I was expected of him, but we still haven't seen him. I know he wasn't said to be fit at the start, but even when he has come back to fit, it's only little cameos from the bench he's getting, so he's still one that they need to try and get something out of because if they are going to challenge for the title and they are going to go far in Europe, a bit of squad rotation is needed and you need these players to, to step up and come in and, and do a job. Yeah, and we saw that with, with PSV. Or I think it's kind of a forced hand for Roger Schmidt. The fact that they've had to rotate constantly between European games and Eredivisie games. Players are out injured though for PSV despite them doing all this rotation. And they're, they're down to bare bones, the midfield and attack. A draw against Hale and Vane this weekend. Uh, I hope that they do, doesn't mean they, they lose a challenge against Ajax. But I, I did say at the beginning of the season, this is me going, oh, I was right. Um, but I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think that they'd be able to, to maintain a challenge against Ajax because they didn't, didn't have a depth in their squad. They've actually done better than I thought, though, some of them. Bruma, for example, I think he's scored in a few games in a row now. Oh, no, he, hadn't, he didn't today, but he, he did before, I think, three in a row. Um, yeah, but they're without the likes of Nani Madueke, who are the difference makers, and he's been missing for a long time now. Yeah, I think that with PSV, that if they were doing a challenge for the, the title, they needed... But even saying that, you know, we can all praise Madueke for how he started the season, but he did dip dramatically. Um, But I think Cody Gakpo, he's he's crucial for him and you can't have him out for for a long period. And then you've got 
Zahavi as well. I know that Vinicius scored today. Um, he's done all right since he's he's come in, but you need Zahavi in there and you need Max in there. So I think if PSVR are to challenge, they do need their best players on the, the pitch. But I think Bruma's been excellent. I think Doan's come in and he's done a job as well. He had a lovely flick in European game in midweek to set up a goal. He's done done well. Um, but yeah, today they just couldn't take their chances and they, they didn't finish Heron being off and then they got punished for it because whether you can criticise Dromo a bit for the goal, you know, he didn't take the free kick and then Heron being scored from it. I think that he's come under criticism for some of his performances and probably rightly so. And I just don't think defensively they're as strong as, as Ajax are at all. No. And without their key players up front, they're, they're going to struggle. And I think Schmidt, you know, the, the midfield is, is an area that I don't think Schmidt really knows what his best midfield is. I think that he hasn't been able to get Davy Proper in there. I, whether he's just not a fan of Davy Proper or whether Davy Proper is just not got confidence anymore after he lost his place in England and he's just come in and he's just not been able to show any sort of form and it seems that Van Hinkle has now been been dropped maybe Schmidt's decided that he's not the best option in there because Gutierrez is coming in and, and Doan's coming in the partner Sangari so there's question marks around everywhere in PSV once once again because Schmidt seems to, to not know his, his best 11 and I think that today was the first time in a few weeks in the league that they've, they've dropped points, but I think that it's something that's going to happen between now and the end of the season constantly. Um, if I actually draw points where you think that PSG aren't going to be the ones to, to capitalise on that because they'll eventually drop points in games that they should win as well. So I think that PSV are just not ready right now to challenge for the top spot because they need Gakpo back and they need Madueke who needs to show his form at the start of the season because I think maybe it went to his head a little. Um, he got a bit big time thinking that he's going to be the star player and then his, dip, his, for, his form just dipped dramatically and you know he was going to went to move to England and you know, Dortmund and every these big teams were coming to watch him and then his, his performance has slipped. So if he can come back and hit the ground running and Gakpo can come back and hit the ground running and yeah, PSV may be able to come back into contention but I think the the most likely result is that in two weeks' time that unless they get a win in San Sebastian, they're gonna be out of the Europa League, they're gonna drop into the conference league, which might be better for them in the long run. Yeah. And the coefficient they, they can win. Um but I think in the league eventually they'll they'll drop out. Cause I, whereas Ajax I think will go and sign players in January, I don't think PSV will. Um and that might be the, the key difference going into the second half of the season. I suppose with their players coming back from injury, it will feel like new signings. They're attacking-wise, they've not done too badly without their key players. Gertz has kind of kept it all together because he's still been there. Um, but yeah, defensively, I don't think it has been good enough. I don't think Mwene's appears to be quality. Um, without Max, they're not doing that great. And um, Joel Drummle, I, I, I still think he makes too many mistakes. I thought he'd, he'd shake it out of, out of his... Um, our system getting a bit older, but it hasn't really. Um, not yet, anyway. I, I, maybe he's lacking a bit of confidence, but I don't. I don't think. He, yeah, you, you can't say that he's had a good season at all. And I think a good goalkeeper wins your points, saves your points. But they've conceded too many goals this season. But that, that's that's a title challenge just for you. And um, two teams that weren't too far behind that when we started the season for Tess and RZ, both playing in Europe, playing really well in Europe. Join nil nil actually. Um, time recording today, and um, someone put a question about RZ. I'll quickly find it. So Dave said it's sad to see RZ struggling, but his team, these young Dutch players, need better career advice. <laughs> too many, too many clubs to, um, they don't play for. It's been an issue so long. I think with RZ, um, they've they've had the start of a season where we both agreed that their quality of player itself had dipped because they'd sold their best players and didn't fully replace them. And the young players coming through didn't hold as quite as much quality. I think you've got to say Pascal Janssen's done a great job with what he's got to turn it around. And they did go through a really good run, I think, of like seven wins in eight games. 
that has now dipped a little again. But they did top their conference league group with three teams who they are better than, uh, which is a lot about the conference league quality. But I think going into the knockout rounds, I do fancy RZ to do something to get through a round or two because they, they, they've still got players who will go on and make transfers this summer. I think they are still a bunch of youthful quality players on their day can, can, can beat the likes of Ajax in the league. But they've, they've just lacked quality in some key positions that mean that they can't get up that table. They're still in the bottom half of the Eredivisie and that's really false for me. But they won't be in the top three at all this season. Oh no, that's that's that ship's long gone. Um, yeah, I think we said at the start of the season that they didn't sign enough players in the summer to to really maintain a challenge again, and that's that's been proved right. That just I think we're all baffled in the summer when you know the amount of players they lost, the amount of money they brought in, and they just decided not to spend any of it. I know they wanted to give some young guys a chance. Even the young guys from the academy can't get a chance at the moment. So it seems to be the same players that Janssen's going with game after game. Um, yeah. In Europe, it's working, but in the Eredivisie, sometimes it's not. I mean, it's the same every single week. That It's the same substitutes that he makes. It's the same yeah. players yeah. come in. And he, he puts players on the bench that just don't come on. Um, every single week, Tabuni doesn't come on. Pierre Kutminers doesn't come on. Whether they're right quality or not, but Tabuni he's shown it in the, the second division that he can be a useful, creative player. And when you're struggling to create chances and you're not scoring enough goals, he might be somebody that comes in and gets that confidence and goes on a run, but they're just not doing it. And for a club that wants to put so much faith in their youth, they don't seem to be doing it at the moment. And whether that means that in January to go out and sign some players, we'll, we'll wait and see. But right now, if you keep this up, then who's to say they're even going to get in a European playoff spot? I mean, it's the 12th at the moment. They should go up to the top six, seven, but nothing's guaranteed. And if they keep playing out there now, then they're not going to get there. And I think that in January, they need to sign a striker. I mean, that's blaringly obvious. And I think there's one in the second division that we might talk about later on that would be might be perfect for them. But yeah, right now that... Defensively, I think they're fine. It's just that they're not scoring enough goals. And, you know, Carlson, for me, is the only attacker that has any real quality. Um, and that's a problem for them. And the midfield even isn't, for me, isn't as strong as it was last year. I think if you replace Kutminers with Classy, who's a decent player, but not great. Um, and then Danny DeVitt has his ups and downs. Um, he's okay, isn't he? He's, he's okay. He's not a creative midfielder that they need. Um, but yeah, I think that a couple of key signings in January they could be back up there, but they're not going out there and spending the money on Joey Veerman when they could have snapped him up was was a big mistake for me and not getting that second striker. If they had Joey Veerman and a second striker, then I think they'd be doing much better this season. The question with Joey Veerman is where would he fit into that midfield? Because Danny DeVitt brings the goal threat in the penalty area. You don't drop Mitsio and Classy's sitting deep. But you could you could see a place for him out on the wing. And if you're in Europe, you do need players that you can rotate in and out of the squad. So maybe, maybe in January they'll look at it again. But €8 million Euros is just too much, um, as a quote, for RZ, which uh, I found unbelievable considering the money that they brought in. <laughs> and he would have definitely added something, for sure, uh, to the midfield. Now, much more to come on this podcast. You mentioned that we'll be talking about a couple of young players that have been impressing this season. Um, we need to talk a little bit about the Netherlands. A few people have been asking questions about Van Gaal and the World Cup coming up. But first of all, let's mention the fact that in amongst this top half, which includes, you know, your top three, it includes Vitesse, um, it includes Twente, it does also include three newly promoted teams. Amazing, amazing start from Comba, NEC Nijmegen and Go Ahead Eagles. Um, Combo were fourth at one point of the weekend, so now fifth as the time of recording. Go ahead at eighth and NEC at ninth. It, they, I don't, I, I think you can say that Eredivisie has declined in any way for these three to have done so well, but there was a season where no teams came up because of COVID, and then Combo just got stronger in the second division, and um, they've come into the Eredivisie like a house on fire. The three teams, have, I think, are well coached by three great managers. 
that can be said. And there are players that are just really out to prove themselves. And you just really see that they're, they're three strong additions to this league. Yeah. Uh, I don't think if you told me this was going to be the case at the start of the season, I would have believed it because you just don't see it. You just don't see usually that three teams come up and just absolutely storm the league. And, you know, when Canberra lost Murin in the, the summer, I thought they would would struggle because he was their goals last season. He scored probably nearly half of their goals in the, the second division. And I thought he would be a big miss, but I think all three teams have done outstanding so far. And, you know, I expected NSA to go to do well because I like quite a lot of their young players, but I did not expect to go ahead Eagles and, and Canberra to do this well. And I think that all three deserve huge credit for what they've done so far. And yes, there's going to be times where they get hammered by Ajax or, or PSV, but it's the games around them that they need to win. And that's what they've been doing. You know, Canberra beating the teams in the, the bottom half and they're sneaking results against the likes of 20. And who knows? I think if they continue that to the end of the season, then they can then then sneak a European playoff spot. And that's going to be huge for a club like Canberra, who would probably expect to be a yo-yo club that could come up mm-hmm. and go back straight back down and come up again because that's what they've been doing for for years. But I think for the league and for the, the second division, which does get a lot of criticism for the level not being that strong. You know, it's great to see three teams come up and then do so well in the Derdivision. That's what you want from the teams that come come up because sometimes they come up and then they're just absolutely dreadful and go straight back down. So then this year is the first year that we're seeing three strong promoted teams and I don't think any of them at the moment are going to get relegated. I think that there's much weaker sides in the league than all three of them and I think that all three are going to be comfortably safe this year. Yeah, I think it would be great to see them do the same thing next season because there's always that first season bounce and they come up and and Combo were coming off the back of a season where they just obliterated the Ursa Divisie. NEC came up for the playoffs and you think that they've got Roger Meyer as a coach who was unproven but looks just, he looks really clever. I think think he's got something really good about him and I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a bigger job in the future at the minute. And they've got some really good players in from from the the summer too. Um, And go ahead, Eagles are the biggest surprise to me. They pulled out a couple of um, Spanish players out of the bag who you just wouldn't have thought would come to to go ahead. And Kaysan Vunderland is is the the manager. He was the guy who led the Netherlands under-17s to winning um, the Euros a few years back. And I think him getting that that job in the Eredivisie, it's another platform for him to show himself. And I've mentioned there two two coaches. Henry Young's also a, a good manager. I think that, that that also has played a big part in, in how they've done so well. Um, but the teams at the bottom of the other is that have been have been really, really poor. I don't think you, you can, can have many complaints at Peck, Swallow, Fortuna, Sittard and Sparta, Rotterdam are all down the bottom. The only thing that sticks out for me is that Henk Fraser is a manager of Sparta and he did so well last season and even got a little promotion to helping Lou Van Gaal with the Netherlands. I'm starting to wonder whether Henk Fraser doing that has, has led to Sparta's demise this season. Possibly. I think that, I mean, they're not very good at the start of the season before he got the job as, as well. Um, but, yeah, I think Sparta have the squad that they should be should be better than what they're doing right now. And I do like Omega up front. Um, and Vio Van Croy is a good player. But, yeah, it's just something that's not clicking with them right now. And maybe it is the fact that they lost... Someone like Key, like Harui in the, the middle. And it's not being able to to replace him. But, you know, you've got a goalkeeper in Akoye who's, who's excellent and he's got his move to Watford. Um, you've got a decent defence and you've got, you know, experienced players like Bugos Dyke and our front, they've got a talent like Omega and a, a goal scorer like Ty. They should be doing a lot better than what they are. And something's just not going right there. And maybe it is the coaching team. Maybe if a new manager came in there, they would get that bounce or... Maybe a Fraser did decide to, to stop his Netherlands duties because he has said that it's not guaranteed that he's going to be there at the World Cup. Maybe he will stop that. Um, but yeah, I think that when Fraser took on the role and after what he did last season, there's you know there's people saying well he saw after what he did last season that maybe he'd be the successor to to Van Hal, but 
judging by what's happening now, that's definitely not the case. And, you know, Fraser's a coach that seems to do well at some clubs and then has a dip and then seems to do well. And right now he's just in a sticky patch and he needs to to get them out of it and we need to see if they have enough about them to, to do that. But I think if you're looking at Pex Vola and Virginia Sitar, they're two that are definitely heading for the, the drop in my eyes. I think both of them have been, been very poor this season, especially Pex Vola, who are look, look hopeless. And the fact that you have the chance to change your coach and you go for Dick Schreider, who has never coached, I don't think he's never had a head coaching position. He was number two at Vitesse. It doesn't exactly scream out that it's a club with ambition who are going for, for somebody who's going to get them out of it. So I think that they're doomed and it's just going to be who who joins them in that, that bottom two. And yeah. I think Fortuna, for me, are the, the clubs that have to be the most wary of their position. Yeah, Pex Waller fans are not happy with, with the board at all for their manager appointment. They weren't happy with recruitment in the summer. This, the transfers in the summer were dreadful. They didn't bring in any quality at all. So it isn't a surprise to see them at the bottom of the table. Um, I think that we're there at the bottom of the season to end of the season too. Let's let's bring in some comments that we've had um, on, on YouTube. Of course, people listen to this on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Do get involved where you wherever you're listening. You can even get involved in Twitter too. You know where to find us. Um, Red Rum has put a comment relating to the start of the podcast. The Netherlands are still the best in terms of the Euro coefficient this season so far. The, be- the best country in Europe. <laughs> That's is even better than England, Germany, Spain and all that. Still outperforming them. Of course, end of the season, it might look a little different. We're expecting that. But right now, absolutely flying. And it's it's going to be a big, big season for the next few years to try and try and get a third Champions League spot, which would just bring so much money into the league. Um, let, let's see what else we've got. Jack's been commentating that the Aranya under 20 teams, oh, the, the 23 players for the Netherlands in the World Cup will be interesting as many young, new young talents are still coming through. And Van Harney's staff needs to truly evaluate. Need upgrades of Blint and Klaassen. Speed and athleticism is a must. So, yeah, let, let's bring in a few of these comments that had to do with the Dutch national team. Um, there's a couple more that came in. Quinton was asking, which midfield would you like to see Van Hal use going forward? And what do you expect to be the midfield at the World Cup? As, um, someone actually replied to that, saying that Frankie Koopman is with Wijnaldum or Klaassen or Van der Beek, whoever's the best in form in the 10th position. Yeah, I think Van der Beek's still got a place on the Netherlands side, hasn't he? If he can perform with Man United or get a move elsewhere. And then the other two midfielders probably decided already, Frankie Young and Wijnaldum. But Wijnaldum hasn't been playing that well. He just gets in a reputation at this point and being one of the vice-captains. Yeah, I think that... <laughs> You know, Van Hal, he does say that he needs to be playing to to get into his side and get into the squad. And I think for many players that is the case. And he's he's shown that with Van de Beek. But I think with Van Aldum, he's sort of being a bit of a hypocrite there because I think that he's going to be one that sticks around, even though he's not going to get into that PSG side at the moment. I know he was injured this weekend, but. He doesn't seem to be a starter at PSG, and yet he seems to be one of the first names on the team sheet for for Van Hal. So I think that it's going to be Frankie and Van Aldum in there, and who's going to be the third? And yeah, it depends if Van de Beek gets a move. See what happens in January. He only played for a minute today against Chelsea. So change the manager. We'll see if what happens if if Ralph Ragnick does come in. Does he like Van de Beek? Is he going to get game time? We'll see. What happens? Um, Klaassen seems to have lost his place in the starting 11 of Ajax, but he did do some crucial moments for Netherlands Junior qualifiers. He stunk up the place during the last set of, of qualifiers, but Berghaus wasn't there. Berghaus is untested by Van Hal at 10, and if you listen to Van Hal, if they're playing 4 3 3, then Berghaus is the only right wing option that they have. So, is he going to put him in the number 10 position? We'll see. Um, and Coop Miners, for me, Coop Miners needs to, to become an undoubted starter at Atalanta before we can start talking about him being an outdoubt, um or a starter for Netherlands. And he isn't that yet. He does show some good things for Atalanta, but he doesn't start every game. He didn't start this weekend. He only came on as a, a second half substitute. 
went on, I think, this weekend against Juventus. And so that's one of their big games and he doesn't start for them. So it is up in the air. And, it, you know, I don't even mention Gravenberg yet because I don't think that his form warrants him to be in the running yeah. um, for a starting spot. And he needs to show a lot more to his game before he can be. And, yeah, so the midfield for me is the biggest issue that Van Hal has and he needs to mould it to work at the championships and I want to see him in March maybe do a couple of experiments with it and I think that Berghaus as a 10 is one that he definitely needs to try out and see if it works Yeah, especially if Bergfine can get a move get some form because that game against Norway he showed his quality and I think Bergfine on the right can, can be something we can reinvestigate we know that he's had a drop off in form the last year or so and it's it's a big chance though if he can get it right and it's like Van der Beek Bergfine house they know that the spot's there for them if they can perform. So it's just up to them. It's down to them who can work the hardest, who wants it the most. Um, because a lot of the other t- places in the team are decided and and I think you could say we will be settled by the World Cup. Um, yeah, I, I think Van Gaal's got um, some work to do for the World Cup, but it's not as though they've gone from a place of um, like utter, utter weakness. They still will be amongst the favourites to, to win the World Cup. Because there are so many teams like Qatar in in this World Cup coming up, where they 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 should be beating them very easily. There will be teams weaker than the teams that were in the Euros. But yeah, it's it, let, let's see what Van Hal can do with this midfield. That's probably the bit that he needs to improve the most. I think you, you've got that main spine of a team with Frankie, with Memphis, um, the defenders. Bilo looks like he's going to be the number one goalkeeper now. Um, and then yeah, they're, they're, the fullback positions too don't look too far from undecided. You got you got Blint at left back, which is contentious for a lot of people, but he is really good on the ball. And Dumfries at right back. Yeah, I think that Blint seems to be the number one at the moment, and you do have Malasia and and Van Dahl coming through as as the alternatives. But I think Blint right now is the the number one because of what he can do on the ball and. Whether you see that in a year's time, because the tournament will be underway in a year's time by now. So what Daily Blind's form looks like by that time, we'll need to wait and see. And we're not taking into account any injuries that might come in. So you've got fullbacks not an issue for me at the moment because there is so many options around. I think that if Blind got injured, you do have Moasia or Vindal. If, say, Dumfries got injured, you do have Hatibor. I know not the greatest, but you do have him. You do have the likes of Wrench, you do have Timber that can play there. You've got Jordan Teze, you've got Gertrauda, and then in Germany, you've got Jeremy Frimpong, who scored for Leverkusen today against Leipzig, and who looks like a very attacking, good option at, at right back if he keeps his development up in Germany. So there's so many options around at the fullback positions. It's just that Van Hal needs to pick which two that he thinks is going to work as well with this, with this 11. Um, and for right now, it seems to be blending on free spot. Who's to say in a year's time that it might not be Vindal and, and Frimpong? And we just need to wait and see what, what happens over the next year. And if Brian Bobby can get a move to Ajax and he has a really good year, he could be uh, one of the striking options too, which something I mean, you wouldn't even think about, wouldn't consider. But you have to remember football's got his unpredictable, an unpredictable nature and you just don't know who will be in contention then. Uh, we're near the end of the podcast. Um, thanks everyone for, for tuning in who has so far. Um, I just want to say thank you again for people that have just dropped in some kind comments. You're very welcome, Jack. It's a great job, guys, with all that you do. Um, and Dave says, thanks, guys. Appreciate what you do. Keep it up. Read every article on the website. Watched every video since I found the site. Um, so I'm going to go. Thanks, Dave. That's really, really kind. Um, great commitment to football, Anya. Um, a little announcement, by the way, I suppose, is uh, if you do live in the United Kingdom or, or Singapore and um, you like your Dutch football, there there is Dutch football available for free. And I've I've just heard that it will be for the next year and a half for free to British people, all on Mola TV, which has four live games a week um, and highlight shows. And if you live in America, because lots of you are from America, listen to this, that probably made no sense to you whatsoever. But I know you've got ESPN Plus. You finally got your your games back um and i think you have the same commentators too because i think it's the same people that provide your commentary um someone asked on twitter mike about about some young players coming through and we've got 
oodles of content on the Football Adani website and on YouTube about young players coming through um, that are Dutch. But um, there was a comment from t- on Twitter from Football Alejandro. I'm going to think I said that awfully. But he said, who do you think is actually the most promising under-20s player at the moment? Well, a player that's 21 years old is Ty Stalinger, and he's playing for Excelsior in the Erster Divisie. You did a piece for him on the Football Alani website. Tell us a bit more about him, Mike. And is, is he genuinely going to be someone who could come to the Eredivisie, make a mark for himself, or is he just a flash in the pan? I think this is the the big question, but you know, there's a history of, of strikers who have blossomed late in the Netherlands and have come from the second division, you know, your Huntelage, your your Van Nistelrooy's, your your Hasselbanks, these are all players that, that did have time in the, the first division before making a big name for themselves and yeah, I think by the way, Hasselbank was someone that made a name in the Dutch second division, then never played in the Eredivisie. Yeah, and Galinga is uh, a player who is always around in a youth level where you were scoring goals, but and so he wasn't the, the number one talent. You know, Postema was the one that everyone thought, oh, Postema's going to be the one that's going to come through and he's going to do really well. And it wasn't really a surprise when he got maybe let go in the, the summer because he just uh, hadn't made that breakthrough yet. I think he made six appearances last year and he didn't score, score the goals that made him want to stay on. But I think that we've said it for, for years that Cronin seems to be a club that if you're a striker, you struggle at because the, the way they play and the defensive nature of the game. But he's gone yeah. to Excelsior in the summer and he's just absolutely exploded in terms of goals. I think there's only three games where he hasn't contributed either a goal or an assist. There's two games where he scored four goals in the game and there's three games where he scored at least a hat-trick. And I mean, he's on 21 goal so far in the, the week for Excelsior who have struggled for the past few years in the second division and haven't really looked like coming back up but look like genuine contenders for, for a place back in their division and that's mainly because of the goals that the one gets scoring and Heronbane have already said that they're interested in them and I think the technical director of Heronbane now is the one that actually signed Dwinga for Excelsior, so I think he knows how much he's available for and he's commenting that he's a player that they're looking at for possibly for January or, or in the summer. So I think he is going to get a move to Eredivisie possibly in January or he's a player that clubs in the Championship will look at and think that they could do a job for from there because you see what Joel Perot's doing for Swansea and he's a striker that right now need to to move up a level and show that he can do it in Eredivisie because that's where he's not done it yet. And if he can do that, if say the Vincent somebody said rightly that Vincent Janssen did it in the second division with Almira City before he went to to their division. So if he can get that move, and I think that as I said earlier on, is it Alkmaar crying out for a backup striker or a striker that can come in and score goals and why not if they can go out there and sign him, he's not going to be that much money for them. I think Excelsior will probably accept a, a decent offer for him. And if he continues the form he's in now in the Eredivisie, then yeah, I think he's a striker that can definitely go on and and do something in the league. And you never know if he score goals in the Eredivisie, then you become a a potential Netherlands call up. You know, he was in the under twenty one squad provisionally recently, but then got dropped. But you got you got like Zerksi. Raydan, who might not be that great for what he's yeah, doing. I was going to say, both of those players haven't been hitting the height really, have they? Yeah, and then you've got Ozerks, he's doing well in, in Belgium and okay. he's doing really well for the under-21, so he's the, the starting striker and I think you've got Robbie in there who, with his pace and, and strength, is somebody that's going to get in there where if by the time March comes around and everyone's under-21s are playing again, if Delinga keeps this form up and he's not in the under-21 squad and he's still eligible, then I'd be Asking big questions of, of Van der Luy, if he's still picking Raydan. Um, but yeah, he seems a striker that has a huge future and I'm excited to see what he does in January and I'm excited to see what the potential he has going forward because he is someone that's just come out of nowhere this season to score so many goals and we always get excited by young strikers to score goals and I think that this is one that we can now track and see how he does when he gets that move. 
Mm. Well, the last couple of comments before before we have to go in this podcast. Redram said about Vinealdum, he should come back to PSV, and um, that was something I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago. And I think I think that'll be a great career move for him. And you know, for the World Cup, who knows? Next summer, keep our eyes over for it. And he said about young Dutch strikers um, doing well. How about one that's not doing so well? Your experts lurking around. Dutch football blessing everywhere, barring Monaco, where my Bobadu is as useless as Timo Werner with a blindfold. Um, I haven't seen how Bobadu is getting on this season, but I'm guessing he's not that great. <laughs> yeah, he's he's coming on as a bench, but I think the only the only team he scored against has been been PSV. I'm sure so far. So I mean, <laughs> that shows where yeah, because you had that reputation and. The Netherlands have always been yeah. there in the big games. You'd always score against the, the Ajaxes, the PSVs, the Feyenoords. And yeah, so far it's just not worked out for him in, in France. I know he's been getting a lot of stick, but it's the same with with Calvin Stengs and Justin Cliver as well. Um, been getting a lot of stick. And I think the, the Nice director actually called him out saying that he expected more from them after signing them in the summer. So yeah, it's not going very well for, for Boadou. It's not going very well for Brobby. And it's not going very well for Stengs or, or Kleiber so far. So, yeah, it's, it's painful to see, especially what Euro experts saying in the comments now. But yeah. yeah, Alex is saying that he looked like a man with zero confidence. The whole stadium gasped that he missed it. Yeah, it's, but then, you know, look at Memphis yesterday. I mean, if you go to the comments after the first half of Barcelona's game, where he missed a one-on-one with a goalkeeper, yeah, Barcelona fans saying that they'd signed him for free and they'd got robbed for that. And I think that the football these days with Twitter and stuff like that is a lot of criticism is over exaggerated, especially with, with Memphis, who I don't know what Barcelona fans are expecting um, from their players. But I think Memphis has probably been up there with probably their best player so far this season. And he still gets criticised if he misses a, a one-on-one. So, yeah, I think that it's... Only halfway for the season, things could improve, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Bordeaux back in the air busy next season. Um, wow. The way he's going, and yeah, probably I think he'll be back at Ajax in January. You know, he got substituted in the third minute today. Um, I don't. There was no injury. There was no anything like that. I don't think so. I think the Leipzig manager is basically making a statement by taking him off two minutes before half time to say like, "Look, you've not been good enough." Um, so. If you're Brian Brobby and that happens, you're embarrassed and you're thinking, if Ajax want me back, I want to go back to Ajax. Let's make this happen. So I think that yeah. one's more likely after today. But it's never nice to see Dutch players go from their division to other leagues and not perform. And where you know you get a Cook Miners who does well, you get a Memphis who can do well. You always have this where you get a Bordeaux who goes somewhere and just stinks the place up. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame because you know this podcast is all about positivity in Dutch football at the moment. I think there is still lots, and it's it's up to the Dutch league to still keep improving so that when players do go abroad, they're more ready for like the rigor of another league and different surroundings. You know, I I think I think let's see how it how it goes in the next few years. But then, me and you both predicted at the start of the season that someday Bordeaux just wasn't ready for a, a move abroad after what you're showing for AZ and I think he's just not been been ready for it and even Stengs wasn't really ready for it. We wanted to see him go to see if he could handle the level and they both haven't whereas Cook Miners both went, yeah, he's ready for the next level and he's showing good things whereas Bode, I think he could have done with another one to two years in there because he may be playing for somebody like PSV or an Ajax to see if he could handle that level and it just didn't happen and he's got his move and it's not working out. Yeah, I think Bode should stay with RZ because for just one more year. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that he was like not ready for Liverpool, but I think Monaco is just too high up, high up in France, and maybe then didn't suit him. Uh, but it, it's some some moves will suit some players, and they'll just see the name and lights and think, yeah, money, let's go. Um, and others will really think about the next move. Calvin Stengs probably did the right thing by going to Nice because it was something a bit different, like and at RZ. It, it was kind of really stale. He wasn't progressing at all. I think he just wants to put himself out of his own comfort zone to try and learn something and see whether he could improve or not. And if he answers no, be he'll be uh, um, Arda Den Haag in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, um, the next Ricardo Kishner. So 
Kyle Kishner. It's good to see him back playing football, by the way. They've got him and Elyera Elia right now at Aldo. So maybe now busy next season, we'll, we'll see them back up there with them. Um, but Mike, thanks for joining me. Um, bumper extra long podcast because we haven't done a proper long podcast in a while. So I hope that people that do enjoy the podcasts, um, I know some people do 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 say that they they like listening to these podcasts the most, um, despite how long they are, they are, just because we cover so many bases in Dutch football. So yeah, if you did enjoy this, please do give this a like. Uh, well done for getting through the whole of the last hour, um, and subscribe if you're new. And uh, yeah, plenty more on the football at Anya website. Go and check it out, and um, we'll be doing the podcast. I think, I think, I think before Christmas because we haven't done one in such a long time, um, and we'll see who the winter champion is of the Eredivisie. Will it be Ajax or will Feyenoord or, or PSV pit them to the post? Especially with Feyenoord Ajax coming up too. Um, but yeah, Mike, thanks for joining me, and, and thanks everyone for listening. <laughs>